0: A message for you that kind of lines up with why we do Connect Sunday, and that is a message called "Never Stand Alone." I don't know about you, but I've had plenty uh, of moments in my life where I have felt like I was alone, where I felt like that I was facing some hard times or some tough situations, where I actually felt like I was completely and totally isolated. Has anybody ever felt like that? you're going through something and and even though there's people around you you don't feel like there's people there for you you hear what I'm saying this morning and and I've gone through plenty of moments like that and and even though there's people around, I didn't really feel like there was people supporting me. And sometimes that's our own perspective because we filter things for our own experiences and sometimes we have a wrong perception of what's actually happening. But then sometimes it can be very much true that we're feeling alone. And Or, or, or on the other side of things, maybe you've got something really cool you want to celebrate, but you've got nobody to celebrate with. Yeah? I think it's probably one of the... Um, <laughs> harshest or hardest things i 've seen um, you know for uh, my sister in law after my brother passed away is that she just didn't, she just doesn 't have him around anymore to you know i don 't know about you, but if something good happens, the first phone call I make is to Trinity to my wife and and having somebody to celebrate things is just as important as having somebody around you that you feel supported by when you go through tough times and even though You may be in a room full of people, you may be in this room full of people, you can feel completely and totally alone in a room of people, yeah? I've gone to parties sometimes where there's 30, 40 people in a house and I feel so lonely that I end up leaving even though there's 40 people in the room. And you see, God's desire for you and I is that we don't feel alone. God's desire for you and I is that we would never ever stand on our own in life, that we would be 100% surrounded by people because God has created us with a desire to be connected. We actually love connecting. And it's quite funny because sometimes when we come to church, Christians tend to um, not really like to connect very much, but the reality is we live in a world that loves being connected, hence why coffee cafes have become the most popular thing On the face of the planet, because everybody loves to catch up over coffee, unless you don't drink coffee, and then you're probably going to howl because you drink tea or something like that instead. But, you know, coffee is heaven's nectar. That's why there's a book in the Bible named after coffee, Hebrew. And um, just in case you didn't realize that. And so we connect all the time. We love connecting, we love having people over to our house for dinner. We love doing all that sort of stuff. And so the reality is, is God has put this desire on the inside to connect with one another. And so we were created for connection, but the reality is, is that we tend to drift towards isolation. We were created for connection, but we tend to drift towards isolation. I don't know how many people over the years of doing ministry that I've talked to that might be going through a tough time and they tend to remove themselves rather than step into relationships with people so that they can walk through. Even though we are creative for connection, we actually drift towards isolation. And, and God has created us, one, to have connection with him, but two, to have connection with each other. Yet we live in a society today that naturally drifts towards isolation, yet it thinks it's connected because of these. But Instagram and Facebook and texting is not connecting. Are you hearing me this morning? Those aren't bad things, but they're not connecting. God created us to connect with people, with one another. And so we live in a society, though, that tends to drift towards isolation, and God is trying to build his church and, and building the church. It's not the people that, uh, it's not the building that is the church. It's actually you and I. We are the church. And the Bible is really clear to us that he's trying to put us together, to knit us together so that we can be the church to the world around us. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 22. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders, but you belong here. You belong, you're no longer exiles that when you come to Christ and Christ becomes your saviour, you're no longer exiles, you're no longer strangers, but the kingdom now has become your home and you belong here. You belong in this place and it doesn't matter what your background is and it doesn't matter what you may have done and it doesn't matter what your past looks like Then it doesn't even matter the magnitude of sin that may be in your life right now, you are home here. Welcome home. This is the place that God designed for you and I to find love, life, acceptance, to find a purpose is here. In Ephesians, it says this: that with as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home. He is using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation and now he is using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone. Bible says here that God is putting his church together. He is building his church together brick by brick, stone by stone. The reality is though is that in all my experience, I've been in church my whole entire life as my parents were pastors and now we're pastoring this church is that as much as we know that God says things in His scripture about us being knitted together and that we're all part of the one family, the reality is is we still drift towards isolation. We still drift to this place where we tend to isolate ourselves and the problem with being isolated is that it's really dangerous. It's really dangerous to live in isolation. Have you ever seen a documentary on TV of lions going after their prey. Lions sneak around. In fact, when I was in South Africa last year and we did a safari, the guy was saying that lions are the most lazy animals on the face of the planet. And what they do is they sneak around and they're hanging around the antelope and all that sort of stuff, hanging around waiting for one to get isolated. They never attack the pack They always go after the one that has got itself isolated. And I I see this all the time in, in, in my Christian life, not even pastoring, but in Christian life, I see all the time the enemy, the devil, the Bible says that he walks around like a roaring lion. I just see him take people out left, right, and center because they have isolated themselves from the pack. And if you're not intentionally working towards connection, If you're not being intentional about connecting with people and working towards connecting with those around us, then friend, the reality is is you're drifting to isolation. If you're not intentionally working towards it, then you are drifting towards isolation. And the Bible says that we are called to fight this. We are called to fight the drift to isolation. We are called to fight this disconnection and fight towards making sure that we are connecting. And I want to tell you this, that it's a fight worth fighting. Fighting that fight of drift to isolation is a fight worth fighting. It's a battle worth winning. It's a fight that you fight. And when we fight, here's the cool thing, we don't fight alone. We fight together and God fights with us. And we have to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to fight this drift to isolation. So let me just give you three things that you can do if you tend to drift towards isolation. What's three things that we can use, three tools that we can use that help us fight isolation? First thing is this, is remember the faithfulness of God. Everybody needs God, whether they realize it or not. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. The most important connection you'll ever have in your life is with Him, is with our Savior, is your relationship with God Himself. And in life, we're going to face tough times, in life, we're going to face uh, brutal times and sometimes when we're wandering through the wilderness time in our lives where we don't know what's going on we need to understand that as long as we have a connection with him we never walk alone that God is always with us the Bible says this that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us that he is always with us you never stand alone in any situation because God is with us. And what we need to do when we're starting to drift towards isolation or we're going for a tough time, we need to remember his faithfulness towards us. We need to fight the drift by remembering the faithfulness of God. You see, the Israelites had spent 40 days in the wilderness, 40 years, sorry, in the wilderness, walking around, drifting aimlessly, because of their stubbornness to go into the promised land earlier. Joshua is their leader and They get to this point after 40 years of just drifting and walking around and not really going anywhere. They finally get to the place where God's right now it's time for you to go into the promised land. And they're standing at the River Jordan. And just on the other side of the River Jordan is the promised land that God has been promising. And they're about to step into everything that God had promised for them. And, And the waters part and they walk through. But God says to Joshua, uh, as they're walking through, he says, I want you to take 12 stones from the middle of the river. 12 stones, and I want you, to, when you get to the other side, I want you to put those stones together, stone by stone, brick by brick. I want you to put them together and build a memorial on the other side so that you will remember the God who brought you out of Egypt, that you will remember the God who parted the Jordan River for you, that you will remember the faithfulness of me, that I'm the one that helped you get through the wilderness, that supplied food fresh for you every single day, that I was the one that was the fire by night and the cloud by day, so that you will remember my faithfulness towards you. It says this in Joshua, it says, In the days to come, your children Uh, When your children ask their fathers, what are these stones doing here? Tell your children, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry ground. In other words, he's saying, I want you to build a memorial from the 12 stones from within the river to say, hey, this is our faithful God. Let's remember every time we see those stones, let's remember his faithfulness. Let's remember what he has done for us. God is a faithful God. He always provides a way out for us. He is faithful. When you need provision, He came through. When you were trapped, He gave you a way out. And when you were dead in sin, He forgave you. God always is faithful. God always comes through for us. And God is building you and I, the church, stone by stone, brick by brick. It's you, it's me, together. We created us for connection. But yet, in our natural thinking we tend to drift towards isolation, but in this church and in your life, we're going to fight the drift. We're going to fight the drift. You might have heard that and said, that's cool that they made a memorial of God's faithfulness, and that's really awesome, and I think that's really, really cool, and I think that's really great, but to be honest with you, some of the stuff that I've gone through in life I can't remember any of his faithfulness. I can't remember God's faithfulness. It's hard for me to see his faithfulness with some of the things that I've gone through. You see, I'm carrying stones in my life right now, painful moments, and I feel like God hasn't been faithful because when I look back, this could be you this morning, when I look back at some of the things that have happened in my life, I... I can't see where God was in that. I can't see where his faithfulness was in my life. Maybe for you it's a relationship that broke your heart. Or maybe it's a job that you really believed that God was going to give you but you didn't get. Or maybe for some of you it's somebody that you trusted that abused you and scarred you for life. And that's a pain that you're carrying with you. And if you were honest this morning, you'd say, I can't see any good in any area of my life in those things. I I actually cannot see where God was in that moment. I can't see his faithfulness. Maybe, maybe you've made some decisions in your life and you've tried to walk away from some of those decisions that you've made, but the guilt and the shame of it just keeps on coming back towards you. And you feel like God has not been faithful to you. Or maybe, It's the pain that you're holding from what has happened. It's your stone. It's that pain where you look back and you don't see God's faithfulness. Sometimes it's really hard to see God's faithfulness when we look back at some of the stuff that has gone in in my life. So Craig, this morning, what do I do if I can't see God's faithfulness? Well, what you do when you can't see God's faithfulness is you rely on God's people. See, everybody needs God, but everybody needs someone. Everybody needs someone. We all need someone in our lives. You know that somebody that you can word vomit on. That person. We all have that person, don't we? Where we can pick up the phone and go, <clears throat> onto. Yes, they don't judge you. They don't try to correct you. They just let you go. <clears throat> You're so serious this morning. Don't look at me like you don't have that, friend. We all have that person we can rant to, yes? Praise God for the person I can rant to. (laughs) Saves my sanity. It saves yours as well. We all need that somebody who isn't going to judge us. We all need that somebody that not only isn't going to judge us, but that somebody that has good judgment. (laughs) Some of you word vomit on people They don't judge you, but then they get on the bandwagon with you. You see, you have to understand something. It's not about having people in your life. It's about having the right people in your life. The difference between where you are today and where God wants you to be depends purely on having the right people in your life. The right people in your life. I went off the rails as a teenager because I had the wrong people in my life. I could word vomit on them, but they were the wrong people in my life. You need the right people in your life because the right people will help remind you of the faithfulness of your God. You need someone that you can lean on. You need someone to be there for you, but you need it to be the right person because the wrong person ends up with the wrong result. But the right person not only ends up with the right result, but it ends up with the right direction. Come on. Ends up with the right direction. Proverbs says this, the words of the wise are like weapons of knowledge. If you need wise counsel, stay away from the fool. Stay away from the fool. Some of you need to stay away from the fool the workmate that you work with that has been divorced three times and thinks that his idea of a great weekend is getting drunk and vomiting everywhere is not the person, right person. He's a fool. Gosh. Is that a little too close to home? So that's cool, Craig. Thank you for telling me I've got people in my life, but now I realise I need the right people. So how do I get the right people in my life? First thing you can do is start serving. Start serving. Why, Why start serving? Because you need to get around the people that are walking in the same direction as you. You need to get around people that have the same heart towards God as you, that has the same heart for what you want to see happen in the world as you. And so you want to get around the right people that are going in the right direction. And anybody that serves on a team in the life of a church is somebody that has a heart for God and a heart for the direction that God has taken us. And you want to get yourself involved in a team because you get around people that are heading in the same direction. And not only that, but sometimes the best way to deal with your problems is by Helping somebody else. Because it causes you to forget about your problems. Have you ever had this moment where you thought you had a massive problem in your life until you heard somebody else's problem and your problem seemed really insignificant? At the time when you broke your nail, it was like the worst thing that ever happened in your life. <laughs> You're a tough crowd this morning, man. But it's not big. I You know, like it's like, I have to debrief myself sometimes when I go away on on missions trips because I'll go away to places like I went to Uganda last year, and I'm walking through the slums, and you saw the photo of it, and then people in New Zealand start talking about poverty in New Zealand, and I think to myself, you don't know what poverty is. We don't have poverty in this country. You want to go to some of these other countries, you'll see what real poverty looks like. But apples are apples, and pears are pears, and so you can't compare, but What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that you might think that you're worse off or you're bad off, but there's always somebody else that has got a tougher story or a harder story or a tougher time than what you have. And by serving sometimes others, it helps us to put our problems into perspective. If you're not around the right people, start by serving. Second thing is get into a connect group. Hence why we've got all the connect groups represented here today. Get into a connect group. You need people around you. You need to be in community and you need to be meeting consistently with people that are going to encourage you, that people that are going to keep you accountable, people that are going to get alongside you. You've got to get into a connect group. The Bible's really clear that we need to meet together. In fact, the early church, that's what they did. They broke bread and they met together on a daily basis. We're just asking you to get together fortnightly with people of like-minded and like heart that are going to get around you. The third thing, if you want the right people around you, is you need to get real. You need to get real. You can be serving and you can be in a connect group, but if you're not being real about your problems, it's all a pretty pointless exercise. In fact, The reason why we need people, and I've said this before and you'll hear me say it again and again, is that the Bible says this, that we confess to God for the forgiveness of our sins, but we confess to one another so that we may pray for each other, that we may be healed. God designed it in such a way that you get salvation from him, but you get healing by being in community. And a lot of us are saved, but not a lot of us are healed. Are you with me this morning? And so we need to get real. You pretend like you've got it all together, but today you're like, man, I just need to get real about what's going on. Today I'm going to take that step. I'm going to get myself around the right people, and I'm going to get real about what's happening in my world. And, and I guarantee you that as you take these steps, I promise you, if you take these steps and you do it seriously, you are got to look back on your life And you're going to see that God has put you together with people that are for you. And you're going to start to see God working in your world because he is building the church, you and I, stone by stone, brick by brick. We are created for connection, but we tend to drift towards isolation. And when we do, we need to remember God's faithfulness. We need to rely on God's people and we need to release the power of our story. Because everybody needs God, and everybody needs somebody, but somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs you today, your story, the power of your story. You know, one of the most famous stories in the Bible is David and Goliath, yes? Goliath is standing up every day, defying the armies of Israel, defying God, threatening to do this, that, and the other thing. David rocks up and says, who's this Philistine that defies God and defies the army of Israel, I'll take him on. I'll fight him. There's a whole story in around that, but one of the cool things is is that David, they they try to make him wear the armor of the king, and he goes, no, that's not me, that's not who I am. And so David, being a shepherd's boy, goes down to the river, and he picks out five stones out of the river. He puts one of those stones in his sling, he lets the sling fly, it hits Goliath in the head, Goliath falls down, David walks up, pulls Goliath's swords out, cuts his head off and takes it home to show his mum declares victory over the enemy for his people, for his people. And the thing that I love about this story, and I want you to get this this morning, is Goliath wasn't David's personal giant. Goliath wasn't David's personal giant. He wasn't defying David. He was defying David's people, the Israelites, and David's God. And here's the thing, when we get into connection, when you're my people, then your giant is my giant. When you get in connection with people, your giant's my giant. It it may not be coming against me, but if it's coming against you, it's coming against me. And the thing I love about David is, is he said, who is this Philistine that defies the armies of Israel and defies the God? It wasn't about him. It wasn't his personal thing. And the great thing that God says is when you get in community with one of another, your giant becomes our giant. That's why the Bible says weep with those that are weeping. Be joyful with those that are joyful because we're meant to do this together. Yeah. We're meant to work through this together. And your story has power. So here's what I need you to remember is that In those moments in your life that are so painful, in those situations in your life that hurt so much. You know, I want you to remember this, that when a rock falls into the river, when it first falls into the river, it has sharp edges. It's not smooth, it has sharp edges and it whacks on other rocks on the way down and bits of it chip off. Sounds like church, doesn't it? And it's sharp and it falls into the river and it's jagged and it starts rolling through the river and it hits other rocks and those rocks chip away at it. And eventually it lands on the riverbed and it doesn't shift. And over time, as the water continuously flows over it, as the sand and stuff pushes past it, it goes from being this jagged, rugged, sharp rock to a smooth stone. In fact, the way that a pearl is created is that something gets inside the oyster and sometimes it's sand and sometimes it's something else and what it does is it, it starts to irritate the oyster and it releases this thing called nacre and the nacre just keeps on coating the irritation that's in the oyster and it keeps on coating it and coating it and coating it and that's how a Pearl is formed that 's formed because of an irritation it 's formed because of something that is not going right, and out of it becomes this beautiful pearl and we understand that even though I might be a little bit jagged and even though I might be a little bit sharp and even though I might have hit a few of you on the way down and chipped off some of my edges, that if I will get in connection and allow the flow of the river to constantly go over me in the sense, then eventually. Over time, those jagged edges, those sharp edges will turn into a smooth stone as I am washed by the grace of God. And all of a sudden... My story becomes a powerful tool in my life and that divorce that nearly broke you becomes a tool in your life. The addiction that almost took you out becomes something that you can use to help somebody else. That abandonment you felt when your parents left you and you wondered even as an adult why they don't want you, that becomes part of your story and it becomes a tool in your bag. The death of a child, a pain that no parent should ever feel becomes a tool for you and you see your story story has power because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Your story has power and we need to release the power of our story because perhaps your story could be the stone that takes down somebody else's giant. Perhaps your story of the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's people could become the stone that takes down the giant in somebody else's life. The pain that you have gone through is not in vain because God can do it. What the enemy meant for evil, he'll turn it for good. He'll turn it. It's not a song. It's a scripture and it's a promise. You see, when you walk with God and you walk with his people, what he does is he brings opportunities along for you to tell your story, to release the power of your story. And when you release the power of your story, it takes down giants in other people's lives. Your pain, friend, was not in vain. And today you need to know that somebody just needs to hear what God has done with you so that they know that God can do that for them so that they know that God has a great plan for their life and that he can take the pain and he can redeem it and he can use it for his glory and for his purpose. Everybody needs God. Everybody needs somebody. But somebody needs you. And the only way that they can get your story is when we decide that we're going to be intentional, in connection, and we refuse to drift towards Isolation. He is bringing us together, the scripture says. He is connecting us together, brick by brick, stone by stone, to build a memorial of the faithfulness and the greatness of our God. When you remember the faithfulness of God, when you rely on his people, and when you release the power of the story, here's the thing. You will never, ever walk alone. You will never, ever stand alone because you'll have God with you, you'll have God's people with you and you'll be knocking down other people's giants with the power of your story. Why don't we just all close our eyes just for a moment in this place. I don't know everybody here this morning I don't know your backgrounds, I don't know any of that. And you know what, to be honest with you, I don't need to know because that doesn't make a difference to how God feels towards you. God's love towards you is irrelevant of anything you have ever done and irrelevant of anything you will ever do. God's love is not limited by our behavior. God's love is limited by who he is. And who he is, is love. Love isn't something that he does, love is who he is. And because of his love and driven by his love, he sent his son all that time ago, not to condemn you and not to beat you up, but so that you can have salvation and freedom. God is not here to judge you. God is here to free you this morning. And if you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said, man, I love Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I love Him to come and take away this, this sin that has tormented me and these stuff that maybe I've done in my past that I've lived in guilt and shame about. I want to tell you this morning, God, the pure reason why you're here this morning is because God wants to do that for you. He wants to remove all of that from your life and set you free from that stuff that maybe has tormented you over the years. The other reason why you're here this morning is because God knows that once he saves you from all of that, you're going to need some great people to get around you and help you walk out your healing and life and one day your story that you're ashamed of will become the story that transforms people's lives just like the woman at the well who was there when nobody else was because she was on to her seventh husband and she was ashamed yet she became the tool that Jesus used to bring a whole entire village to salvation. You see, when you get into relationship with God and connection with the right people, your story shifts from being a story of shame and guilt to a story of power that brings transformation and sets people free and knocks down other people's giants for them. And this morning, your first step in that journey of having a powerful story is to give your life to Jesus. Because he wants to save you when he wants to deliver you, when he wants to set you free. And maybe you've done that before, but you realize, man, I, I just haven't been walking. I haven't been walking with him. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. While every eye is closed in this place, I'm just going to ask you very shortly to just to lift up your hand. And in lifting up your hand, you're saying, you know, you're just acknowledging that I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And I, when I see it, I'm going to ask you to put it down. And that's all we're going to ask you to do this morning. Then we're going to pray for you and then we're going to pray for some other people. And as we pray this morning, God's going to come and save you and deliver you and set you free. And So if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I want to give my life to Christ or I want to recommit my life to him this morning. I want to get back on track with him this morning. Would you just lift up your hand in this place? As I see it, I'll ask you to put it down. Is there anybody this morning that wants to do it? Thank you. you can put-